Turkey hunting is one of my favorite things. And one of the key tools I use for turkey hunting is the Onyx Hunt Map. I use it incessantly when I'm hunting turkeys. Being able to find a new piece of public or gaining permission on private opens up opportunities for gobblers. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you this spring. Use the code MEATEATER to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt. You'll find more birds this season. I'm telling you, I rely on Onyx Hunt when I'm hunting turkeys. It is an invaluable turkey hunting tool. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without your essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie with me. And here's the deal. We're in and out of the water all the time, getting into go spearfishing, getting out, taking the kids to the beach. I'm not going to mess around all day putting sunscreen on then having to get washed off. I just run a hoodie. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. This is the Meat Eater podcast. We're broadcasting. We're not broadcasting. We're recording in Napa Valley, California, and where I'm drinking a Coors. <laughs> drinking a Coors in Napa Valley, California, but, but uh, I'm here with... Um, Giannis Putellis, who's drinking himself some red wine. Is that the fancy red wine we just got? Yes, sir. Drinking very fancy red wine. Mike Washleski drinking very fancy red wine. Last night he was drinking Beam and Coke, which is very not fancy. <laughs> no. He's now drinking fancy red wine. We're in Napa because we're hunting. Uh, this isn't what we're talking about tonight, but we're in Napa because we're here hunting turkeys. And this morning... Um, I killed the, uh, world's most biggest, cagiest, wiliest, unkillable turkey to have ever graced God's green earth. Would you agree with that, Giannis? Yes. Yeah, don't shade. For real, real grande turkeys. No. Cagey turkey. Cagey real grande turkey. This turkey... I don't, know about how, I don't know how much I want to get into this. It, it just so awesome. I mean, it, was, it was a cool turkey hunt. Oh, it's, 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 what, it's textbook. It's what you want. We didn't yeah. get to waltz in there, call him right in off the roost. We had to set up on him three different times. He gave us the old loop-de-loop. You know, we decided to change positions. Next time we call, he gobbles from literally probably standing where you were sitting next yeah. to that tree. That, yeah, I, I, I'll – I keep trying to prevent myself from getting into talking about this turkey too much because we're going to talk about something different. But um, this turkey man, I was calling him, and every time I'd call, he'd just gobble, you know. And that gives you a power trip as a turkey caller because turkeys, all they do is manipulate you. 
And when you realize that you're manipulating a turkey, you can't help yourself but not do it. It'd be like if you uh, pushed a button, you know, and, and some machine, I don't want to say flated you, but some machine uh, gave you a back rub, right? You'd keep pushing the damn button. And when you got a Tom that's just gobbling like mad every time you call, you call too much. So we finally decided to move and maybe we can call him in a different direction or maybe there's something hanging him up that we can't tell what's hanging him up. And we move and that, that prevented me from calling for 15 minutes. So I'm silent for 15 minutes. By the time we move and get set up again and I call, that gobbler calls they, yeah, from like probably right where I was, had been sitting the whole time because he got to be like, I can't believe that hen gobbler or that I can't believe that hen turkey is ignoring me, and he went down there. So then I proceeded to call to him again too much, and I eventually started checking my watch and trying to make myself let 10 minutes go by without calling, and then that turkey showed up, and he, and he got shot. Big old long spurs. One of them was busted off. Giannis was jealous. Inch, Mike, and, inch and a half plus. You know, Thick bases. He was a warrior. Yep. We're, we're joined by Mike Washleski of the Texas Coal Hunters Association. <laughs> yes. I know so little about Texas hunting that I thought that was a real sticker. No. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, it, it's a real sticker. It's a real T-shirt. Ex- explain. <laughs> explain. Um, try to explain why that's funny. The the Texas Coal Hunters Association is a. I, I mean, I it, I got it from a buddy of mine who I go hunting with, and it. It's, and by hunting, Mike means um, yeah. By hunting, Mike means <laughs> yeah. sitting yeah. in an apartment on stilts. <laughs> yeah, drinking beer and uh, you know showing up at the appointed time, <laughs> and uh, you know seeing what shows up. So it, yeah, you know, I mean that's that's what's afforded to me, so I take advantage of it. And uh, so the the Texas Coal Hunters Association is. It, it's not really an association. It's more of a response to all the guys with pickup trucks that have, you know, these stickers like uh, what is it? Trophy, trophy, you know, trophy hunting. Texas, there's the Texas Trophy, Texas trophy Hunters Association, which I might go speak to. Yeah, well, I'm sure they're a bunch of nice guys, but it's more of about the, you know, the it's you can't eat the antlers, and it's a response to the fact that you know some people hunt for the meat. And even though we do it, you know, in our luxurious... You guys pride yourselves on coal hunting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is. Yeah. You know, you, you know, it's, it's for us and where I go in Rock Springs, Texas, it's, it's game management and, you know, it's not... I, I'm not allowed to shoot the bucks that show up. So it's just this giant tease. You know, they're constantly rolling in there and it's just like, wow, that guy's going to be great in a couple of years and that guy's really great. And So how do you, you determine know. who's a coal buck? Uh, well, it's based on the biologist comes out to the my buddy's place who has is a you know has a share in this like eight thousand acres and so they well, let me interrupt you i just yeah. want to bring people up to speed okay so let's say you got a chunk of ground you're trying to manage it because you want big huge bucks on it right um so you you tell dudes who are hunting out there not to shoot the box because you want them to grow it to be big but a coal buck and I don't. Really, I understand it's a little bit, but Mike's gonna explain it in great detail. A coal buck would be a buck that you um, you're selecting out. You're doing like selective breeding, like a farmer, 
or a rancher might. Yes. You know, like you got a buck with bad, some kind of undesirable characteristic. Right. Like he'll have it not a symmetrical rack or he could be, um, you know, five or six years old with only, you know, two forks, like thick base, but just like nothing that's, you know, special. And, and they hang a tag on these ones or something. No, so. no, no. There's no tags. No, nobody's, nobody's actually tracking the animals. The, the, the biologist does a flyby and he looks at the health of the herd and stuff. He's like, you need to take this much from this parcel of land as far as like this many does. And so I'm not a family member, so I don't get to hunt the bucks. They, they get to, you know, they, they get to, you know, if they want to, they can go out there and they're allotted just based on the population. You know, you can take this many mature bucks. And so they, you know, that's for, you know, their family, you know, I guess higher level family friends and, you know, family members and stuff. But so I said- Not low level family not, friends. No, I mean, I go out there and I help work the land and stuff and I get to take as, you know, my allotment of does. So- you well, know, Yeah, well, this year you're sitting out there and shot two audits. That's different property. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's uh, my dad's friend's uh, place in Junction. And that, that is- that is entirely different i mean he the, that guy doesn't even hunt it's just just go out there and you know see what kind of wildlife is is around gotcha but you know the, the so part you're able to make the call on what's a coal buck well i mean there's like they trust you to be like oh that one's not symmetrical well they have game cabs and they're like well this guy right here look for this dude you know they're like they're kind of inspecting them and stuff and they're like and and i'm terrible at what is it uh aging on the hoof Right, okay, I mean, yeah. is that the term? Which and stuff? is way it's, difficult. And I feel right, and so I feel, you know, I, I never really feel, um, you know, comfortable. I'm like, because you know, I'm like, well, that guy, you know, he, he's the wrong shade of brown. I should probably shoot him, and that's not necessarily the right thing to do. So, uh, you know, I always feel really just real tentative about even doing that. And I had an opportunity this past year, and then three elk run run in and scared everything away. The one I was about to elk. take, yeah, yeah. Three, they were, they were, yeah, and they thought that they had gone off the property, but they, I guess there's a, you know, flourish, not, I wouldn't say flourishing, but a small population that is starting to grow. So they're trying to help them out. So yeah, those are definitely off limits. Yeah. But. Um, so how many deer did you shoot this year in Texas? Uh, I think three does in November. But I, we go, I have a feeling though, just to speak to this cold, uh Hunters Association that it could help you get more hunting rights or access at some point, right? If like yeah, man, it's like those dudes your name gets passed around. Right? They're like, yeah, this guy likes to just come out and shoot does, loves right. the meat. Yeah, someone might say, oh, oh, nobody in our family does that. You know, we, right? You know, well, I mean, my buddy is just—he's like, I'm, I'm tired of having to shoot all these deer and clean them myself. And so, you know, he's he's brought his friends, you know, out yep. for the past couple of years. And so, you know, I help. You know, with with you know taking care of the you know the water and uh, we build like you know rain catchment systems for the livestock and or the ag exemptions and stuff and you know kind of take care of the 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 you know the animals and what we can do just in general to help them out throughout the year. Especially they've had some a really bad drought for the past couple of years, so it's you know they're just getting kind of hammered and just helping them with protein and stuff like that so that they can sustain through the really hard times. So it, you know in that situation, he just got tired of being the only guy in his family that really hunted and had to manage the property yep. because they just, his, the rest of his family members just come out there and they're just like, oh, you know, <laughs> that buck right there, and bam, you know, as opposed to like, you know, putting the time in through the rest of the year to, you know, do all the, the hard work, you know, and uh, so, you know, that's kind of where, that's, that's what I do. I mean, you know, it puts meat in my freezer and, you know, we don't, we don't walk anywhere. We take a Polaris and you know, roll up there and, Dude, I'd listen, man. <laughs> I'd do this. I'd probably, I'd wind up doing the same thing, man. It's definitely, well, it's if, if I, yeah, like if I live somewhere and the guy's like, hey, someone's going to shoot these deer. 
yeah. You want to come shoot them and have them. Right, yeah. And and that's, you know, I mean, I don't own property, and so that's, you know, I don't have a lease, and so that's You're how. that landed gentry. Remember right, that term from history class? The landed gentry. This is like passed down through generation, right? Yeah. And that's, and I don't, I, you know, I'm not afforded that opportunity, so, you know. Yeah, sure. Mike. Yeah, come out and. Yeah, poor Mike, he, he, he spends a lot of time running around the woods in army surplus. <laughs> Dude, definitely don't have a big old ranch. No, <laughs> definitely don't, yeah. You know, Yanni, Yanni's idea about, you know, I, still, this is this still isn't. You still don't. You listeners still don't know what this podcast is about because it's not about this. Mm. But Yanni had an interesting point where Texas Coal Hunters Association would be a way you'd get in on hunting, and it reminds me of this dude I know. And this isn't what the podcast is about either. But this dude I know who has started this group called Backyard Bow Pro. If you like, you got all these people in suburban environments, right? Bow only areas, you know, where you can only hunt with a bow. Like, for instance, like most of Long Island, New York, right? That's not where he's at, but it's a place like you can bow hunt, but you can't gun hunt. So he started this group where the group, you become a member of Backyard Bow Pro. And to become a member of Backyard Bow Pro, you got to go through a background check and you got to pass an archery proficiency test. So, mugs who have problems with white tailed deer in their orchards or in their gardens, whatever, and wish they could get rid of some white-tailed deer, call Backyard Bow Pro and get teamed up with a dude who is like a reputable guy who's demonstrated proficiency with his bow. So he's been vetted to take care of yep. the... And awesome. They, and they crank it out on deer hunting permissions. Another thing they do is they got people who don't hunt and won't hunt, and they'll go out... And get the place, right? The permission. Hunt deer, cut up some of the deer, bring the landowner venison to try. Then they use it also for fundraiser stuff. They keep some. They give some to food banks. But they'll bring in like, they don't bring it, they'll go get the stuff processed and bring ready-to-eat processed meat to places, you know? And give, and then they've had people who are like, I've always hated hunters, you know, blah, blah, blah. I can't, like, I, I never knew I'd be in this situation. And now, like, they're eating venison off their own land. That's great. No, it's a cool group. How long have they been around? Uh, years. Really? Yeah. I don't think a decade, but, I mean, I've, I've, I've known him for several years he's been doing it. And he was doing it when I met him. That's well, interesting. That sounds, I mean, that's just. It's a good like, idea, man. Yeah. Cool. Good idea. This dude's name is Joe Lasher. He's out of North Carolina. Awesome. Nicer than hell. On um, that note, before you tell the listeners what the podcast is going to be about, let's take a quick break. Man, between streaming services, fitness apps, and delivery services, it's never ending. I'm talking about the, the, the subscriptions, the monthly dings on your credit card. Well, thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app. It goes in and finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. Meaning, you know, like, let's say there's like a show that comes out and you want to watch it and you wind up doing like this free trial and you forget about it. And then two years later, you realize you're paying those hosers 12 bucks a month for something you don't use. It finds that stuff, cancels it. It helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings instead. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year 
when using all the app's features. With Rocket Money, I have full control over my subscriptions and a clear view of my expenses. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Again, rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Spring is a great time to do something with your family. Do some spring cleaning, which I kind of started today outside, planning outdoor activities, which I'm always doing, taking a little trip to Hawaii with your kids for spring break, which I just did, which was great. You know what else you can do for your family this spring? You can shop for life insurance with Policy Genius. Make that part of your financial planning for the year. I said it before a thousand times, I'll say it again. When my wife and I, when we started having kids, we got serious about life insurance, and man, I felt so much better after we did. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just 292 bucks per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Even if you already have a life insurance policy through work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it may not follow you if you leave your job. So save time and money. And provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Rain or shine every day is a great day for fishing, right? And you probably got rain gear, but you shouldn't overlook sunny day gear. Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite Hoodie has you covered on the sunniest day. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie with me. And here's the deal. We're in and out of the water all the time, getting in to go spearfishing, getting out, taking the kids to the beach. I'm not going to mess around all day putting sunscreen on and having to get washed off. I just run a hoodie. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to, especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad-spectrum UV protection? We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow. So you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head on over to Columbia.com slash PFG and shop all of their performance fishing gear. Yanni's so good at announcing those breaks. <laughs> You're back with the Meat Eater Podcast. What we're doing, we did, this is the second one of these we did, and, and, and people liked it, man. It was popular, and, and I liked it because um, it brings up a lot of great things to discuss. Is like Because of the TV show, Meat Eater, and various other things like web stuff and social media stuff, there's questions that come in all the time where guys have questions about hunting. And they're varied. It's everything like, have you ever eaten a koala bear? To... These like really deep ethical questions. And, um, and it's funny because you see the same ones come in, versions of the same ones come in over and over and over again. So it gives you like a really targeted way, us, you meaning me, a really targeted way to have a discussion about hunting that is specifically addressing questions that people have all the time. I got this gigantic list of questions. For instance, there's two people have asked. I'm just, I'm just giving you, for instance, what kind of questions flow in. So just recently, two different people, I'm assuming they don't know each other, wrote in to ask about eating groundhogs. You know, 
So it's, that's like, for whatever reason, eating groundhogs is on people's mind. I've never eaten one. I've killed a couple for, uh, for the bounty, meaning bounty, like when I was a kid, I would do some contract, I guess almost like contract assassinations of animals. People would have problems with an animal and I would charge them to go get it. Damage control, animal damage control. And I remember one time I did a groundhog and got 15 bucks for it and took it out camping. We were going out sucker fishing and camping and I took my groundhog with me because um, I thought we'd eat it and we never ate it. And, I, and I'm ashamed to say now that that groundhog went to waste. I just got my cash for him and left. You guys never eaten groundhog? I have not. Never. No. There's no reason. I'm just going to dispatch a bunch of these questions right now and just say like, people are like, it, people always ask, like, is blank edible? The answer is yes. I don't think there's any. There's no bird that's not edible. You know, there's no inedible bird. I don't think there's an, an inedible mammal. Is there anything that's poisonous? Like, I don't know. I don't people? know what people mean when they ask if it's edible. They want to know if it what? tastes good. Yeah, is it good? Is it is it worth? But that's not what I think when I think edible. Like somebody might be like, be like, hey, how was that new restaurant? You might be like, oh, it's edible. <laughs> that means like the restaurant sucked or it was right. mediocre. But when people say like, is a groundhog edible? Are they saying, is it delicious or will you die after eating it? Yeah, you know, that's a good point. It might be one of each. If we have two questions that came in, one person might be asking about the taste and the other might be asking if they're going to die if they eat it. If it carries diseases. I think that's on people's mind a lot of times, wild game. You know, yeah. There's that stigma of like, hey, it's wild. Could have some bad, bad stuff going on. A groundhog's a member of the squirrel family. I've eaten other members of the squirrel family. There's nothing going to be wrong with a groundhog, but you just have to ask yourself, like, if you're going to go eat a groundhog or a skunk or a fox or whatever, what are you hoping to get out of it? If you're hoping to get out of it that it tastes good, good being food in a popular restaurant if it's going to be that good you've probably heard of people eating it to a degree if you mean good as in will you be glad about the experience and having satisfied your curiosity and having a sort of enhanced understanding of food and wildlife and all that kind of stuff then yeah it's gonna be great it's like What's the worst that's going to happen to you? It's just you don't like it. Yeah, it's that's like it. so you cook the groundhog up, and then you eat some, and you're like, eh, not that. that's about as bad as I think it could get. All right, well then, but I feel like a lot of people listening to this are probably saying in their heads or out loud that groundhogs, you know, those big colonies, what do you call them? Big no, you're thinking prairie dog colonies, prairie dogs. man. Oh, so they're thinking like groundhogs, like Woodchuck. woodchucks. Gotcha. All right, but let's flip it over. You're gonna to, have let's a pretty healthy meal. To, let's flip it over to prairie dogs. I, I cleaned a prairie dog once. For right, but they're known to carry the plague. Yep. So a squirrel. So a squirrel. So you just got to cook it, right? Yeah. You're not gonna get the plague from eating it. Well, do they carry the plague? Get the plague from handling it. The fleas. I wouldn't sleep right? with it in my under my covers. <laughs> it's dead carcass under my covers, so all of its mites are jumping off and like 
making homes in my hair, no. If that's what you mean by edible, no. (laughs) 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 No, dude, seriously. The groundhog thing. I've eaten... Remember that movie, uh, Unforgiven? Yeah. In the end, when uh, Clint Eastwood's character is going to kill little Bill. Mm -hmm. And little Bill's like, oh, you're just a... You've been killing women and children. And Clint Eastwood's like, you know, I've killed everything that's ever walked or crawled. I've eaten most everything that's walked or crawled. Somehow I missed, I haven't, I haven't eaten a groundhog yet. Well, now I'm curious. Yeah, you I'm know, telling you exactly what it's going to taste like, man. What? It's going to taste like, uh, I don't know, well, I mean, beaver what? without the caster. Yeah, I was going to say, it can't be too far from beaver. It's going to be like beaver, but sometimes beaver meat, which I'm a fan of, and which is good, very edible. It's great. Who was just raving about that? That you'd serve it to your mother-in-law. Brian Callen. Brian Callen. The funny Brian, the very funny and beautiful Brian Callen. Who, uh, who, how do I put it? I just, I saw him in his, um, Fullness in the act of urinating. <laughs> like we he all came did. up. I didn't know where he came up to go. With that. I thought you were going to plug, plug his comedy <laughs> show, but that's not. No, <laughs> he was in the middle of uh, of urinating and came up to show me. Um, <laughs> let's go on to the next question. Showed us all. Yanni, you grab a couple that you like out of here. I will. Oh, here's one. This kind of stuff comes in all the time. Not to belittle it. It's not belittling it. It's complimenting it. I've been looking to take my son on a hunting trip and was wanting to options on it. I'd like to take him either bear or moose hunting, but he'd have to mortgage his house to afford it. Could I recommend an outfitter that's reasonable in price? Or where would you go on a public hunt? You know, I can't recommend you an outfitter that's reasonable in price. The outfitters that I'm friends with, the handful of outfitters that I'm friends with and the handful of outfitters that I would say like, man, you ought to go hunting with that dude are, 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 are very, very, very expensive. They're very good and they're very expensive. And I think I kind of know them and become friends with them because maybe I'd, you know, have friends that admire them or I admire their, their work ethic and their skill set, you know, and their knowledge and what they bring to it. And all that stuff costs tons of money. I, I don't know. I, I No, the guys I know are just super expensive. But it's like they're super expensive because they're so good, you know? And there's people that do cookie cutter stuff. Like, I think that if you want to go on a cheap bear hunt, you go to these sort of almost like black bear hunt factories up in Canada where they're running a bazillion bear baits, you know? And they'll load up like a van full of hunters and take you all out and drop you off at this like spacing on crown lands, government lands. You know, they drop one of you every five miles and you go in to hunt a bear bait. And then when you get done, you walk out to the road and you might be sitting there two hours while they come and pick you all back up again and bring you back to eat spaghetti and meatballs. Those are cheap. I would just do your own hunt, man. Because it's like... You're saying you want to go on a hunt with your son, which is fantastic, man. But I bet you your kid, like your kid, would want to get something. But your kid also probably wants to be with his old man in like a comfortable environment. You know, 
And if you're going on, a, on an outfitted hunt that you don't know what's up, I mean, you don't know what kind of environment it's going to be for your kids. That's what I would think with my son. Like, if I, my son's four and a half, so he's old enough to fish, but he's not old enough to hunt, you know? And I just took my son and my brothers to fish. And we, 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 I took my son out to Mile City to fish with my brother where my brother lives. And this isn't like a big romantic hunt. We're fishing small, smallmouth, catfish, small walleye, sauger, right? A four-fish day is a good day. He caught four fish one day. He caught a couple another day, caught one the other day. He had a blast because he's with me. He's with my brother. Everyone around him loves him. We go at his own pace, you know? If I'd have, t- if I'd have flown him somewhere and, and like, speaking of fishing, like, I'm like, oh, we're going to go somewhere and catch a blue marlin. I don't think it would, I don't know that it, what it would have meant to him because little kids, I don't know how old your kid is. Yeah, I was going to say, I was just looking at this question. You think he might older? Be, he might be 30 <laughs> for all we know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm answering it because I'm so myopic, man. I'm only answering it from the perspective of having a little kid. But you probably, if you're looking to take him hunting, he might, he's older than mine. But the point being, I guess part of the point being that I think kids feed off your own excitement, uh-huh. you know, and they can tell when they're being, they can tell when they're being BSed, you know. I got an answer for him. He's in Iowa. He's not that far to drive out west. Oh, you're giving him a real answer. Yeah. Moose is definitely going to be more expensive than a bear hunt. But you know what? I want to interrupt. Go ahead. Put in for what's not expensive is like, if you're in Iowa, put in for a couple of the Western state moose hunts or put in for the main New Hampshire moose hunts. Yeah, it's too much of a long shot. Okay, never I mind. recommend. Never he's mind. talking about he has to mortgage his house. You don't really have to. You just have to plan. Like, we've, like you've said it before, it's what's important. Everybody you know can find money in their budget to go hunting if they want to. Plan a hunt five years from now. Hopefully everybody's still able enough to go hunting and do that hunt. And put away whatever it takes, 500 bucks, you know, 100 bucks a month for the next five years, and you will be on a fantastic hunt, I bet. Yeah, that's true. That's the, I was going to start a business where I come in and audit people's life in order to find them more money to go hunting with. I just come in and look at how you spend, you know? What would you call that? Needs a catchy name. Steve's uh, Money Finding Service. Hunt, Steve's hunting money finding service, maybe. <laughs> yeah, like a pool, a backyard pool. But like, let's sell, let's fill that pool in. Yep. Get you some hunting money. And I, and I feel like, as far as I, I worked for a couple different outfitters, and the elk outfitter that I worked for, I felt, we had a very affordable hunt. I felt like, especially for the quality that they got. I don't know if that's the norm out there to get the the quality of cooks and guides and service that we gave for an archery hunt for $2,800. But I feel like outfitters, if you're just trying to, if you're trying to get a bargain, you're probably going to get that in return in, in your, you know, in the service that you get. It's going to be a little bit of a bargain. You know, it's not going to, you're not getting the, the top quality stuff. So if you're going to drive out for a moose hunt or a bear hunt, you know, again, save just a little bit more money. Do, and do some research. It's not that hard these days. The internet you know, call yep. references. Call people that have been there and hunted. Get some names and numbers. Ask about the guides. You know what else would be a good idea? Ask yourself if you're interested in hunting cow moose. There you go. You might wind up getting a way bargain. 
away bargain deal, and you might be able to go at an off-season time, or if you're willing to do a spike hunt. There's a lot of moose hunts that are like, uh, you know, they're like, like in a, in a term Mike would understand, they're coal hunts. Right. Go out and do a spike, you know, spike fork moose, do a cow hunt. Because a lot of times when you buy, when you do a hunt, like a lot of times what you're, when you see an expensive hunt, like for instance, it's a dream of mine to go hunt stone sheep someday. You see stone sheep hunts are fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000. What you're paying for is this tag. Because the guy, the outfitter, gets like two or three of these tags every year. So if you want to go on a stone sheep hunt, you're not, pay, like, you're not paying for the guiding service. You're buying a tag from a guy. That's expensive. When you see a $20,000 elk hunt, it's not that the guide is like giving you massages and stuff. It's like you're buying a very expensive tag, kind of. That's a way to think about it. So if you're willing to go and hunt in an area that doesn't produce big bears, it's going to be cheaper. If you're willing to do a cow hunt or a, or a spike fork, bull moose hunt, you're going to be saving all that tag money, you know? All right. What's my take on, on environmental issues? I'm an environmentalist. I mean, generally, I'm always on the side of the environment. That's why I'm a political eunuch, man, because I feel like you have, we have, a, we have one political party that seems willing to piss away certain hunting rights and piss away gun rights. And we have another political party that, in general, seems willing to piss on our hunting and fishing lands. It's hard, man. Like, like if, if, yeah, I'm an environmentalist. I don't want, and it's not your spot. Now it's like you're painted as a radical if you want clean air and clean water and good hunting and fishing lands. It's like, oh, these radical communists who don't think we should poison the water. I'm just like. Yeah, I like clean air, clean water. I like wildlife. I think that wildlife is worth being, it's like worth enough to warrant being inconvenienced by. I remember, it, I just recently reread Aldo Leopold's Sand County Almanac. And he has a line in there when he's talking about, and this guy wrote this book in the 40s. He has a line in there where he's talking about, uh, um, that, 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 like, that the country's become like a hypochondriac where we're so worried about our economic well-being, we're so fearful of our economic health that we've become incapable of being healthy, you know, like a hypochondriac. They can't be healthy because they're just so worried that something's wrong with them, you know. I don't think that the right answer is always what's best for the economy. And I also am a little bit, and I, and I know and I'm familiar with arguments about arguing the economic value of hunting and fishing, which is tremendous. There's a tremendous economic value to hunting and fishing and a tremendous economic value to wildlife. And I can give that argument. I can make that argument. But I also realize that, that, our, that I also realize that it's bigger than, it's a bigger issue than that. If I need to sell you on having healthy wildlife and having clean air and clean water, based on just financial matters, based on economics, I'm going to lose my own argument. It's way bigger than that. It's way more important than that. No one ever said to me, uh, you know, if you take good care of your kids, you'll make a lot of money. 
you know? No, taking good care of your kids costs money. Um, have I ever come across a game animal? What was that one? Sorry. Oh, here's a good one. How do you deal with really hardcore anti-gun people? We were talking about this today. It depends on how hardcore. I don't argue, I'll have conversations with, but I don't argue with vegans. Because you're not going to change their mind. If someone comes to me and they says like, I'm absolutely adamantly opposed to any ownership of firearms whatsoever, right? I don't know where I'm going to get. I don't know where I'm going to get. I have some luck having this discussion with people who have very hypocritical perspectives on guns being like that the guns they like are okay but the guns that other people like are not okay you know that's easy to easy to combat and and i don't but you know it's funny because i'm not put up against it as much i mean do you spend a lot do you guys spend a lot of time having like arguments about whether it's okay that you have a gun or not no, but we de- I feel like I definitely try to defend uh, just general, like any kind of, you know, general gun ownership when people say, all right, well, you have a hunting bolt action rifle. Why should we let anybody have like a rifle that can shoot, you know, have a 50 round clip on it where you can just shoot away? Yeah, that was, that, that's like, I used to struggle with a lot of these questions like that. And there's a couple of points people made to me that help me kind of understand the issue better is that uh the second amendment has absolutely nothing to do with hunting like when they drew that up they weren't thinking about protecting your right to go hunting no it had mm-hmm. nothing to do with hunting but then like some guys are real critical of hunters who use like like there's even a term like a fud a FUD, is it would be a dude like you and me that just like hunts with a bolt-action rifle. Mm. It's like you're behind the times. You're like Elmer Fudd. Mm, I, think that's, I think that's kind of what that means. Another thing was, when you, if people would say like, oh, you shouldn't have a high capacity, you shouldn't have an assault rifle, right? But then other people would look at the rifle I have and say, well, is it okay that you have a sniper's rifle? And it is, man. It's like, I have rifles that are capable of shooting a 1,000 yards in the right hands. So it's like, you got an assault rifle, you got a sniper's rifle. It's like, I think you can paint all this stuff in, in, in crazy ways. So to, it's hard to answer the question, but yeah, it's something that I think about all the time. But I don't, I, I, it just doesn't come up in my life that I have arguments with really hardcore anti-gun people. I remember like, kind of like how to dispatch a friend of mine was relating a story where my friend's wife was with a friend of hers and her friend said, I would never let my children go play at a house that had guns in the house. And my friend's wife said, well, you better not let them come play at my house. You know, that's probably like the extent, I mean, like the extent of the conversation. Cause I just, I just don't think you're going to win it. Maybe someone who's really good is going to win it, but this question is really hardcore anti-gun people. Well, I think a lot, some people 
have misconceptions about firearms in general. And that's kind of what we were talking about earlier today is, or what we were talking about as far as hunter education mm -hmm. and how that kind of can dispel the myth as far as, you know, just knowledge in general about firearms as they are. As they are. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, there's guns in the house. So they think that they're hidden under the couch, yeah. you know, fully loaded in cabinets in a cereal box, you know, and that's not <laughs> where it is, you know. That's, that's the thing I always think about where I have a... Um yeah, like the the way I store my firearm. Right. The way I store my firearms. It's like, yeah, if someone said, it'd be like, that guy has thousands of rounds of ammunition stockpiled right. in a closet full of weapons. Right. Yeah, I'd want to be like, well, yeah, but I mean, you got to come look at how it's set up. It's not like what you're describing. Yeah. You know? It's like, oh, there's guns in the house and, you know, there's, you know, handguns under cushions and, you know, it's just like easily accessible and it's, it's not how it is. That's one you thing know? I would like to see. Um, we're talking about, it's funny because people ask like how I have these conversations. We actually had this conversation yesterday or today. One thing I'd like to see the gun industry, I'm not saying they don't focus on it, but I'd like to see a more focus on teaching people how to um, safely store firearms in their home. Which is something I never thought of till I had kids. Right, yeah, absolutely. If you don't have kids, like, it doesn't, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Just, like, we, we had, as a kid, we had a gun cabinet. But it was different because this was like, I'm, I'm 41, and my, but my dad was like the age of most people's grandpas because he had me when he was really old. You didn't touch that fire, the gun cabinet because you, he'd kill you. Right, and it probably had just like the little key, right? Dude, just it glad. would just it was be a display like, case. Yeah, and, and it was like, if he came in and you were messing around in there, you were dead. Yeah. I don't have, I don't like inspire that kind of fear out of my kids. So I've been lately now, you know, as they get older, I'm lately now always trying to make sure that my um, storage technique is way advanced beyond their age, right? Like a one-year-old is like, okay, I, yeah, he can't really stand up yet, so I know how to keep stuff away from him. Now that I got a, almost, I mean, my kid will be five pretty soon. So now I'm getting into more like, you know, actual protocol. Because I'm not just worried about my kid. You know, even if I didn't instill that level of fear that my dad instilled in me, about not touching stuff I'm not supposed to touch. I don't know what his I don't know that his friends have learned that level of fear. Right, and they might not know anything about it, and they'll be curious. They're like, "Oh, yeah, what is that?" Because they, you know, they come from you know maybe a household that doesn't have that kind of you know education behind it and that kind of you know environment that they're raised in and stuff. And they're like, "Oh, there's a you know what's that right there? I want to go play with that. That looks pretty cool." Yeah, because they've they've fetishized. They've like some people like accidentally fetishize guns. Right, right. you know. Like my kids already, not my youngest two, but my four-year-old, I've already met, we go out and shoot his BB gun. This is the muzzle. This is the trigger. This is the safety. Never do this. Right. Never do that. So if somehow he was inspired to like, somehow whatever, there was a lapse and he was able to get access, he has in his head the, the fundamental don'ts, you know? And I think that this sort of thing like, Guns are bad. I don't even want to know how they work. It's right. ridiculous. Right. It's respect and knowledge. That was yeah. the point we made today is that 
education, just a little bit, would go so far for so many people. And I don't look at it any differently than teaching my kids about, like, the car. Like, you don't let your kids mess around with, like, keys and the ignition and start jacking around the, you know, shifter. Bad things happen when kids do that, you know? Nobody lets their kids do that. It's dangerous. Yeah, you're not like, no, don't even look at that, son. This is a dangerous machine, this car. Right, yeah. You're not allowed to touch the, you know? You're like, hey, man, don't be touching this. Don't be touching this. If I'm not in the car, you can't even be up in the front here, but this is what all this stuff is. Don't touch it. Oh, man. <laughs> I got a story about that. Me and my, okay, if, <laughs> It's related to that. Me and my buddy back when we were, I think we were five, and uh, we were at a 7-Eleven parking lot, and it was sloped, and his dad went inside, and it was, you know, he had a standard, and so my buddy hops up front, and he's like, I'm going to drive, and hit the clutch and put it in, it essentially put it in neutral and dropped the, dropped the uh, parking brake, and we just went straight backwards, two five-year-old kids in this car, just like right out into the street. Did you get in a crash? No, we didn't get in a crash. Didn't get in a crash, because my, we, we probably rolled back about, you know, 15, 20 feet, and we just freaked out, and like, so as soon as he, you know, he had his hand uh, on that parking uh, brake, threw that back, and then his dad just burst out that door, and we got it. <laughs> We got it. That was uh, never did that again. No, no, that never happened. So we, you know, now we have education and respect for the parking brake. Question number sixteen. Sixteen on my list, not sixteenth one. We've answered. What will your wife not eat? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. My dude, my wife eats more wild game than than ninety some odd percent of the guys that hunt that I know. She don't care. She doesn't like to hunt. She likes to go fishing with me. She likes that I take the kids fishing. She's been out hunting. She's not like, she never doesn't self-identify as a hunter. She has no real desire to go hunting. But she eats all kinds of wild game. What I like about her too is um, she'll even say like, yeah, I know it's whatever. You want to tell me it's hypocritical that I like to eat meat, but I don't want to kill the animal. Sure. If that's what I am, that's what I am. She loves that I bring home wild game to eat. You know, I do know there's. I think I believe there's one animal that's on the the, the no cook list right now. <laughs> For no, it's back on the list. Oh, it's back Is on. It? My wife Already? had put a temporary moratorium <laughs> on the consumption of black bear flesh. Didn't even last a year. No, no, it didn't last. She listen. She's happy. Like I cook in our family. You know, like if I'm home, I cook. I like it. She don't like it. So she'll cook if she has to, but if I'm home, I'm like, why, why suffer when I want to do it? There's no way that, like, if I cook stuff for my wife, she was down on black bear meat just because we, we uh, me and, well, everybody's sitting at the table, Mike, Giannis, Giannis' brother, Mott, and we all got trichinosis, which I've talked about a great deal from eating undercooked black bear meat. And my wife kind of overcorrected and said that I was, not that I wasn't allowed to eat it, but that the kids mm. and her weren't eating but I've given them black bear meat since then. My wife's grateful, man, that I cook. If I cook, she's going to eat it. She might say that something tastes like a little bit off or like if I'll cook, if I'll have some salmon, you know, like we'll go up to our cabin and catch a bunch of salmon and, you know, it's great for a couple months. Then you kind of get in that borderline area. It gets a little skanky. She might point out that the salmon's a little skanky. She might point out that something's a little bit tough. But no, there's no way if I cook dinner for my wife, there's no way that my wife would like not eat it unless perhaps it was a person. <laughs> but I sat down and ate a meal of domestic dog with my wife. Really? Yeah. 
So what's her favorite game? Does she have? Elk. Is it Elk? Yeah. It's mm. understandable. You know what she raved about? She didn't like the burger off it. I don't know why, but she raved about that white, some of that white tail you sent. Like a oh, really? Rolls off that white tail. Loved That's it. awesome. Loved oh, no it. kidding. Yeah. That's great. Her only complaint about the burger was it was, it was like very mild. And yeah. I think she's a little bit used to, but then we did like a roast and sliced it thin and ate it cold and she loved it. Oh, that's great. Yeah, loved it. Oh, it's fantastic. So, but yeah, she likes elk meat a lot. Um, trying to think of some things that she hasn't been crazy about. Dude, she'll eat squirrel. She just doesn't care. She doesn't care. She what, could, what, yeah, how, what, you guys should answer the question. Act like my the question. wife came from, well, she meant me, was a vegetarian. Really? Yeah. And it had been for how long? I don't know. Over a decade. Is that right? Mm-hmm. For what reason? Ethics? Yep. Lived, grew up in North Carolina. Yeah, and but grew up in a hunting and fishing family. Hunting and fishing family. But it, but it was, mo- you know, yes, but they didn't really do it that much, you know, and especially in later years, you know, high school, and, yeah. you know, college and whatnot. And North Carolina, a lot of pig farming, and what she saw in that industry turned her off to meat. Is that right? Now she's eating a lot of lot of meat, a lot of wild game. The one animal that still I get the no way on, which is a bummer because I really enjoy pork. Not often, but every now and then, love my bacon, love some sausage of some sort, and she just can't do it. She often tries and just says, man, there's something about that. Really? Like that extra greasiness or the flavor or whatever. So that's kind of on our on the no list. So can you cut your wild game sausage with pork fat or do you got to put beef fat in there? Um... I haven't made much of my own, but any of the stuff with pork fat, no, she won't eat it. What about uh, like wild hog? Will she eat that? We're gonna. We haven't. Yes, she will. Yeah. So it's just domestically raised swine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, it's a, but it's a way different bog. Like yeah. wild oh, hog course, is like. It's not, I mean, it's like it has as much to do with deer as it has to do with hog. Wild yeah. Okay. Hog, well, yeah. Know. Yeah. All right. But no. But psychologically, if her, if her deal is like she's just seen stuff she doesn't like. Yeah. You know. What about your uh, your missus, Mrs. Washleski? She I, changed her name when you got married. Yeah, she did. Man, yeah. my wife keeps saying she will, but she said she'll do it when her uh, passport expires. I gotta wait like five more years. <laughs> but the other day she thought she lost it, and I said, "So you can change your name now." <laughs> She just doesn't want to have to go down and renew are you, her. Are you yeah. wanting that for tradition's sake? What do you feel like you could gain out of that? Well, I'll tell you what I can gain about it. I have to say, um, let's say someone, let's say I'm RS, like, uh, let's say someone, well, let's say I'm saying, yeah, I'd like to be able to say, like, oh, the Renellas are coming. But I can't. Like, I'd be like, the Renellas are coming. And Katie. You know? Hmm. Or... Well, why don't you just say we'll be staying in a hotel? Say (laughs) we'll be staying in a hotel, and she'll go in and do all the signing up. Well, if you just want one family, and then then I'll call. You take hers. Then I'll call down, and they'll be like, "Oh, Mister Finch." You know, that's why. Yeah, it's just confusing. You guys need to. It's confusing. I just want to get everything cleaned up. I I just want everybody to have the same name in my house. So Stephen Finch. No, I'm not going to do that because that's like not what people do. If that's what people did, I would do it. If it was like the typical normal, in some ways, I'm deeply um, establishment. Sure. Like, 
I'm anti-establishment where I think it matters. And all the stuff that doesn't really matter to me, I go establishment. Okay? Yeah. Because why have all these extra fights in life? Sure. It's like, I just want us all to have the same name. It just is, it's just like people have been dealing with that problem. It's just they've just done it this way. It's not like I have like something like, this is my last name and it's important, you know? Right. Yeah. It's just like, it's just how it goes. I don't care. If it was traditional, if I lived in a country, if there is one where like the dude takes the girl's name, I'd be like, fantastic. But like, I just not like interested. There's, I buck all kinds of trends. I admire people who don't play by the rules. But I admire people who don't play by the rules that I think are worth violating. When people just do stuff because they want to have attention or they want to make a statement for the sake of making a statement, for the sake of looking contrarian, right? it, it just it, it annoys me. Well, for, yeah, I mean, it, for us, it was just like, you know, whenever we were getting married, it's like, do you, do you want to do this? She's like, yeah, sure. So yeah. we did it. it well, was my just wife like, said like, she wanted to do it. She said she wanted to do it, but she didn't want to have to renew all of her stuff. <laughs> and she didn't want to change her work email because she worked in publicity. And she's like, the right. only thing I have going for me, to be honest with you, this is not true, but this is like, she has a lot going for her, but she was to make a point. She's like, when I call, they pick up. When their assistant says it's blank on the phone, they answer. Yeah, that makes sense. Because we have a rapport and we've known each other a long time. Right. So for my work stuff, it's going to be real difficult. Mm-hmm. Did you know Rocket Money can cancel a subscription for you? They'll even alert you when there's been an increase in a subscription price and negotiate rates for you. I can see my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. You wouldn't believe how many people are paying for subscriptions they don't use. This happened to me. It's annoying. This helps you find it out and get rid of it. Well, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions and monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Rocketmoney.com slash me eater rain or shine every day is a great day for fishing right and you probably got rain gear but you shouldn't overlook sunny day gear columbia pfg solar stream elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest day man i was just in hawaii and i had my columbia pfg solar stream elite hoodie with me and here's the deal we're in and out of the water all the time getting to go spear fishing getting out taking the kids to the beach i'm not gonna mess around all day putting sunscreen on then having to get washed off I just run a hoodie. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to, especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad-spectrum UV protection? We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow, so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour 
so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head on over to Columbia.com slash PFG and shop all of their performance fishing gear. Hey man, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you've learned anything, it's that there is always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, well, what's the catch? But it turns out there isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, Go to mintmobile.com slash meat eater. That's mintmobile.com slash meat eater. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash meat eater. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. You know, well, it so- doesn't really bother me. It bothers me a little bit. When I go to hotels and they call up and say, Mr., you know, that bugs me. <laughs> like in a manly way. Yeah. Here's a question. Well, well hold on, hold on. Let me answer the question as far as the... Oh, yeah, what your wife don't my, eat, my sorry. Wife, my wife, well, no, Mrs. her favorite, what, what she won't eat or her favorite game? No, it's what, what won't your wife eat. Oh. Uh, well, you guys definitely, oh, I'm not going to answer that question because I don't have any, anything to say. <laughs> that it was like, what do they like to eat? Um, yeah, no. Well, no. You, how could you? This is impossible to not be able to answer. No, oh, I thought we were talking about uh, what will your wife not, not eat? What will she eat? As far as game, a person. Uh, per, well, yeah, okay. She's not okay. going to eat him. What about wild game? <laughs> no, yeah, I don't think I've brought home. I see. I, I haven't brought it home anything as exotic that you guys have that would have a. Would she eat the muskox? Oh, she's had it. Would oh, she yeah. eat the oddad? We haven't had that yet. No, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, this is a question I don't really understand. It says ATV, raft, jet bloat, boat, float plane, or super cup. <laughs> um, I'm guessing they're asking what you recommend would be the best I, vehicle. For I'm going to answer this. Around to, I'm going to answer this and just say like what I what I like to be on. I'll do it in the order of in descending order of likeness. And there's one correction because a Super Cub can be on floats. But we'll just say he means like a Super Cub on. So it would be a Raft, Super Cub, Float Pain, Jet Boat, ATV. I'm with you. Would you walk away from a gut shot animal? That has expired with without someone. I'm I'm cleaning this up a little bit. I'll just, let me just say, it. he's asking. Let's say you're out hunting and you find a gut shot animal that someone else couldn't didn't find. They didn't they didn't they either couldn't find it or they found it and didn't want it. And he's saying, uh, what would you do? Would you would you walk away? Or would you keep it? How about fresh roadkill? 
Then he goes on to say that he faced this situation and hung his own tag on the animal. Yeah, man. It's like if I found a gut shot animal, it was perfectly fine. I'd want to keep the meat, but I would probably try everything possible to not put my tag on it and keep it still. I remember one time I was hunting in Montana. We found an antelope that someone had shot and dumped. We just trimmed all the meat off of it and kept it, which was illegal, right? Because it's hunting season and you can't have meat from an animal. Like you can't have untagged carcass. Yeah. But I was prepared. It's a little more complicated because it wasn't antelope season. Mm. Season was open, but I didn't have, I shouldn't say that. I didn't have an antelope tag for that unit. But here, where we were hunting deer, here's a dead antelope. We took all the meat off that thing. And I was prepared to, if I got checked by a warden, I was just prepared to be like, yeah, man, it was dumped. I'll happily take you up and show you where it was dumped. I committed the, the, the grave sin of having taken the meat off the carcass. Mm-hmm. Like, let, let's go down to court, and I'll explain it to a judge, if, you know. Well, unfortunately, though, it would be left up to him to decide if he was going to believe your story or not. Well, you can't argue with, it's like, unless I had done it a week ago, you're not going to argue with the condition of the animal where it is, you know. In this case. Well, no, but. Who, in this case, thing who, had clearly to, been there a while. Who's to say you didn't poach it? Days earlier. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no one. That's what I'm saying. I'm just telling you what I did. I'm not recommending someone do this. I'm saying what I did was faced with the thing like spirit of the law, letter of the law. I opted in this situation to go a spirit of the law, kept the meat, and was prepared to face the consequences if someone had checked me. I would have said, here's what happened. Here's what I got. I'll show you where it is. This is what I did. If I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble. You know? How, so how long, like, how did you estimate how long it had been there? I mean, like, where, like, what is your It was cold. For, oh, it was okay. cold out. Okay. But you can tell by the way the hair's matted on it. Uh-huh. Just all kinds of things, like, you know, what's been gnawing on it, its position. Like, there's just a look to an you Smell, know, you know, if it has just like, well, Yeah, it was yeah. cold as hell. But there's just, like, a look to an animal that's been laying there a long time. Okay. Dumped off the side of the road. It's like, like, that damn. looks fresh. It's it's okay. Yeah. You know, the eyes start sinking into the head. We kept we got the back straps and four legs off it. Didn't take any rib meat or anything, you know. Back strap and four legs off it. Big chunks of meat. I'm telling you, man. Legs. Yeah. Whole legs. How was it? It was great. It's fantastic. I would still I, I'd like to find a guy that did it and dump his body on the side of the road. <laughs> you, so what do you think the situation was that put the animal there? Was it just like the guy just lost it on a trail or I guess it was mixed no, up for animals? No, it was dumb. Oh, was it? It, it was, was dumb. You know how we found it? A bunch of raptors. Right. And we just, you know, how, like when you see a ton of raptors swirling around, you're like, what they got going on? And went over there and that's what it was. Two years ago in Colorado, I came across a spiked bull with brow tines that was clearly perfectly shot. Probably didn't go more than 50 yards after the guy shot him. The guy saw brow tines, usually a legal animal in Colorado, but they weren't five inches, and he had spikes. So he was illegal bull, mm. and uh, just walked away from him. You walked away? Well, no, no, no. I, I cut him open, oh. but he was stinky. He was green, slimy. Gotcha. Yeah, no it was pretty anymore. gnarly. It was a bummer. I've done that a handful of times. I used to take roadkill illegally. In a sta- I lived in a state where you weren't allowed to take roadkill, but again, I, took, I would take roadkill deer and 
cut the prime cuts off it as the act of civil disobedience. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll point out, it's now legal to take roadkill in that state. One time out when I was a little kid, we went out. My old man uh, shot a deer with his bow. Got a bad hit on it, as happens, bow hunting. Um, he got a bad hit on it. We trailed that deer till one in the morning. Never found the deer. We're driving home from tracking it in my dad's 1979 Jeep Grand Cherokee and hit another deer with a truck. And there was no tracking job on this one. It's just like, bam, right out on the road. And he, and I was sitting, I was riding shotgun, my two brothers in the back seat. And you got the back, like the, we call it the way back. And my old man goes around and opens the back up and throws the whole deer in the back. We start on down Ryerson Road. And all of a sudden, my brothers are screaming in the back. And that deer is just standing up <laughs> in the back of the Jeep Grand Cherokee on its feet. Holy shit. So my dad slammed on the brakes, went around, opened the back up, drugged that deer out into the road, cut its throat with a knife, loaded the back of the truck, we drove home. And the next day, he called the police, and they would come out and give you a permit, a roadkill permit. Another time, I, was, I, was, I had this old, this, my old girlfriend from high school, we were standing there and by, at my mom and dad's house where I lived because I was in high school. And I see a deer out swimming in the lake, which wasn't an everyday occurrence. And I see the deer climb up in Bob Starrett's yard and run up through Bob Starrett's yard. Later that day, we're walking down the road and here's the deer stone dead in Bob Starrett's yard because it went to duck the pipe on a cyclone fence and snapped its neck on the fence wow and they gave me a roadkill for that another What's time a it, cyclone fence you know, like this fence with the wire like this chain, chain link right? chain link fence that's what i mean oh. chain link fence he like ducked his head you know the pipe they always put like a pipe on top of that yeah he ducked his head and put like it looked like you just threw a basketball 200 miles an hour at a chain link fence and just laying there with a snap neck Oh, so he ran into it. Ran into the fence. Okay. Like you know the pipe speed. on top? Yeah. Like it was like he tried to like, instead of go over the fence, tried to go under the pipe. Right, he wasn't walking around. I mean, he was running. Scared. Yeah. To and hell. Just... And I remember like when, I was, when we saw that thing, there was some people out chasing it in the paddle boat. The deer's out swimming in the lake and there's people out like kind of like, oh my God, a deer in the lake. And they're chasing it in the paddle boat. Another time, another deer swam in the lake in the other direction going north. And got hung up in another neighbor's chain link fence and snapped his leg. We kept that deer and they gave us a roadkill permit for it. And these aren't even roadkill deer. It's just like a way to make it legal for you to utilize deer that are dying around you. Okay. From, you know, I guess unnatural causes, human made causes. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to answer this one. I, hold on. I have one last note on that. You know, I, I feel like I used to be a little more emotional about it. I used to feel really bad for that animal. If you found him and it's like, man, he did, the, the meat did not get used. I don't feel that way anymore. It's like. Because there's that, nutrient recycling. Exactly. Like it's going, it, it's just all part of the. Back to the earth. Yeah, back to the earth and whatever. I, I do still dislike the guy that did that to that animal. I, I'm with you. I'd kick him off the side of the road, kick him in the nuts. You know, he should be beaten. You know. Yeah, I don't do it. I don't do it, like, I'm not so adamant about it because I don't believe in nutrient recycling. I believe in nutrient recycling. Like, yeah, it goes back. It's like, it's made up of, of elements that go 
back into the earth and they'll find new mm-hmm. they'll they'll come and back. A bunch of critters are gonna eat that animal. Yeah. It's more like I'm trying to like remedy a wrong. Yeah. Trying to right a wrong. When I say go to waste, I guess what you're really saying is I guess it gets super like um it gets uh It's not being enjoyed. Yeah, it's like it's like ethereal. It's like you're you're it goes to waste in a human sense or yeah. something, you know what I mean? It goes to, it's like, yeah, it doesn't go to waste in this sort of grand scheme of things sense, but it just goes to waste in a human sense. Because vultures and coyotes don't care how it tastes. It's just getting consumed. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't want to answer, I'm going to answer this one, but I, I want you guys to answer, because I'm curious what you guys think about this. Sasquatch? Yetis? <laughs> <laughs> If either of you guys has... No. Okay. No, no. Did you see who sent that one in? No. <laughs> oh. Oh, never mind. Wait, who sent that one? Cody Lujan. How did you yeah. get on this list? Ha <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, Cody. Never mind. No, because here's the thing. I'll just say it real quick. At a time, Florida was down to 47 panthers, mountain lions, you know, Florida panthers. They were down to 47 panthers, yet every year, many of them would get hit on the highway by cars. If you have this stable breeding population of primates that have been here longer, the the, the story goes from people who are into this stuff, that they've been here far longer than Homo sapiens, on the continent, it would just wind up that you're going to have a carcass. You're going to have a carcass. I know, oh, they bury each other, all that kind of stuff. And there's a conspiracy and all that kind of stuff. But at some point, you would just have a dead body. And I'm not talking like some hair or like a weird footprint. There'd just be a dead one laying there after... 15,000 years of, of us being here and hundreds of years of us driving to extinction, small little creatures that would fit in the palm of your hand. We would have by now had a dead one. It, it, you just I agree. I agree. would. I think uh, I just reread Cody's question again, and it just says Sasquatch, Yeti, or Stink Ape. He just wants to know what you call that critter. I don't call it any of that. I call it the Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> Cody, don't ask any more questions. This is for real questions from real people. Oh, wait, hold on. I, I, this is what I have one thing to say about that. So if there's a population of Sasquatch, this is still on this topic, right? A, Sasquatch, a breeding population? Right. Okay, they've existed... Completely undiscovered. Nobody's ever like really seen them. They don't have make any noise, or supposedly, you know, where they make. Yeah, they call. bury their young. They eat watermelons. Right. And how how big are they supposed to be? Like, eight feet tall. Eight feet tall. Right. The size of the crap that an animal that size would leave throughout the forest would just it, it yeah. would be there, and you would step in it all the time. It's I mean, a look lot at of the sign, size. Man. Look at the size. I mean, we're just out on a property with cows. I mean, those are massive. So it'd be like, what is that? I mean, you know, you're walking around through the forest. You could say, oh, look, somebody took some, somebody took a shit here. Somebody took a shit. Here. I know what this is. I know what this is. It would be monster. I mean, you know, if whenever you're walking through the woods and you you 
you come across man leavings, you know what that is. Yeah. And well, I can read signs. I think signs. that the Bigfoot not- has like special craft that it evaporates <laughs> minutes after they, oh, they craft it. they got a story it. for That's everything. Right. Yeah. They go like, well, how come you well, don't... Well, they bury that too and then they light their tissue paper on You know the comedian, <laughs> right? the, the comedian Mitch, late, the late great comedian Mitch Hedberg yeah. was saying that um, he doesn't think that it's, a, that it's the photographer's fault that Bigfoot's always blurry in pictures. He thinks he just is blurry. <laughs> 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 Unfortunately, I, we're gonna have to. <laughs> no, I want one. I got one more. There's one, one more, more I'm interested in. Um, he's talking about when you're deep in brown bear country, you guys seem to sleep in tents that look like a bear would have no problem getting into them. Like, how, how can you sleep in a nylon tent? I, I guess I can't. I don't. It, it, I don't live in fear of bears. No. The chances, I think I have a good analogy, the chances of a bear coming through one of those nylon tents are less than you sleeping in your bedroom on your normal residential street and having a car drive through your bedroom wall and drive you over. Yeah. Or having like a, some kind of insane man come in and chop you up yeah. with an axe. You guys have been around this for a while, so this is all new to me, and so I... Let me just, I have something, you know, I've got at least insight from a, like a novice to like camping out mm. in. Mike actually doesn't sleep, it sounds like, when we're out there. No, I, well, <laughs> well the, the one reason I go to sleep is because I'm so exhausted from work every single day and the amount of hiking and work that we do. So it's just like, I don't have a choice. It's just, I got to go to sleep, so I'm going to pass out. But that fear, you know, is slowly diminished. But it was, the first time I was there, whenever we went with Rourke, I mean, I was, I was like, okay. I was like, I, I was like, I'm literally a baked potato and he can just open me, open this thing up and just like get to the soft, creamy center yeah. if you wanted to. I mean, that's what I felt. I was like, because, you know, it, 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 you know, that was a legitimate concern. You guys are all, you know, whatever, you've been around it for a long time. But for me, it was just like, I'm sleeping in a, just like a, you know, a, a diaper essentially. Yeah, but picture, with, picture that you had grown up on a, Picture that you'd grown up in, in central Bolivia. Sure. On a river. Okay. Yeah. In the jungle. And you came up and 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 we took you down a highway in a car. Sure. Can you imagine no, what that yeah. would feel like? Well, absolutely. And, 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 you know, I'm slowly, you know, now that I've been to Alaska several times, yeah. I'm sleeping in tents, it's like, okay. No, I'm, I'm only, I'm, yeah, I'm not like, I'm not contesting your point. I'm just saying, I, I get what you're saying. Well, what made me feel better is the fact that it was just like the luck of the draw. I was like, well, all these other guys are sleeping in tents too. So I've got, you know, like a one in six <laughs> chance of, you know, being eaten in this tent. And especially because Martin was next to me, I was like, all right, well, I was like, you know, which tent looks more delicious? I was like, I mean, his is pretty sweet, so. I think that right there says it all. Which tent looks more delicious? Yeah. Bears don't cruise around looking to eat humans. Yeah. Right. They just don't. No, I get that. I get that. But whenever you've never done that, it seems ridiculous. And now I know, know, having done it, and I'm not, The way that bears are, um, you know, described uh especially grizzly bears to people sure. yeah it's like all you hear about you know is the one bear that charges not the other 10 bears that we saw that ran away as soon as they smelled us and well you yeah. know, 
But I mean, being out there and stuff and just having them roam around was, was a new, you know, and terrifying experience to a certain degree. And it was new. But now I, through knowledge and, and being around that and knowing that that's not the case, it's just like, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. It's just that that's just part of the wildlife that lives out there. Yeah. And to answer that guy's question, yeah, I don't know what you could take out there to sleep in that would help you out. Yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering. Yeah, I don't know. Like if you, like a bear proof thing. This guy that asks this question should watch that movie about the dude who tried to make the grizzly-proof suit. There's a guy who got mauled by a grizzly and tried to build a grizzly-proof suit that he could wear and go out and get mauled by another one that wouldn't be able to hurt him. And he built this suit and then would go around trying to just get mauled by a bear, but he couldn't get mauled by a bear. He did everything. Like, they took a horse up in the mountains, shot the horse, waited till the bears started getting, and he'd come up and try to, like, mess with the bears. But they would, they would never attack him in that suit. <laughs> they were just he even had his buddy him. run him over with a truck wearing the suit. He, like, this suit was badass. Yeah. But, he, he, yeah, he had a hard time getting a bear. To, once you want a bear to attack you, it doesn't happen. I want a bear to give me a giant scratch <laughs> from here all five claws that starts here on my upper left shoulder and extends down around to my right hip. Like that. Yeah. Like people get tattoos and they think they're like a bad mofo, right, for having a tattoo. You know? And really I'm just like, well, you just got a tattoo. I mean, anybody can do that. But <laughs> if you got like a big scratch from a grizzly, yeah, that'd be sweet. That's hard to show at bars though. I mean, especially because, oh, I guess not. I mean, you have to take your whole shirt off and everything. No, I just act like, like oh, man, I got like an itch, you know? Uh-huh. I don't put my shirt like, up. Just like, like, oh, man, it's getting People hot like, in here. My God, what is that? I'd be like, oh, nah, it's got scratched up by Grizzly. Um, were you saying we're done with the podcast, Yanni? Yep. You know why we're done? We're getting up in the morning going turkey hunting and uh, crew hunt. Crew hunt. I'm not hunting tomorrow. I'm not hunting tomorrow. Uh, Yanni and Mike here are hunting tomorrow. Mm. I'm napping. Well, who's going to call? Well, you just have to wake me up every 10 minutes to call. <laughs> okay, I'll do that. All right, thanks for listening. If you have questions, go, uh, a couple things, go, go to TheMeatEater.com. Um, Go to TheMeatEater.com. There's like a contact thing there. Yeah, just look, take a look. I've never actually done it, but it's there. And uh, go there and, and drop in some questions. Or hit it up, on, hit up uh, on Facebook and stuff. We'll try to get to them. We get a lot of questions, but, uh, but, but send it in there, and, and maybe we'll answer it. I like, to, I, like to do these. I like to answer these questions, actually. And then you can always go. It's not better than the Meat Eater podcast, but it's different, is the Meat Eater television show. You can watch it on Sportsman Channel. We air 8 p.m. on Thursday. Or go to, if you don't want to do that, you can stream them or download them at Meat Eater. Damn, I can't remember. .vhx.tv. That's what it is? MeatEater.vhx.tv. And there's a promo code. Meat eater. Nah. Just, just go there and pay regular price. No. I think. <laughs> oh, it's a meat eater podcast. Is that what it is? Hold oh, on One second. 
Oh, oh. We're way too busy. Uh, I don't know. We're way too busy chasing turkeys. Just to pay. These codes. It's just, it's like five bucks off. Try putting in meat eater podcast or go to, you know, do this. Look in the notes no. underneath this podcast and the right coupon code will be put in there. You do this. Helen will do that for us. Go to themeateater.com. Go to contact, ask a question, and then say, by the way, what's the thing? Get the thing. Go to meateater.vhxtv. Put in your promo code, you cheap bastard, and you will get $5 <laughs> off any volume. And you just watch it whenever you want, and you can show your friends. All right. Till next time. Um, wish us luck. We're, we're, uh, we're going to sleep for six hours. Stoked. Go hunt Turks. Thanks for listening. Hey, listen up. This sounds like an advertisement, but it's not. It's, 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 it's different than an ad. I need you guys and gals that listen to go check out the complete guide to hunting, butchering, and cooking wild game, which is written by myself and some people from the Meat Eater team and a collection of the best hunters from around the country. It's a two-volume set. Volume one, big game, is coming out in August. Volume two, small game, comes out in December. Um, Again, it's called The Complete Guide to Hunting, Butchering, and Cooking Wild Game. It totals about 750 pages of content dealing with gear, tags, hunting basics, advanced hunting strategies, field butchering, recipes, Everything you need to know to be a better hunter or to get started in hunting if you haven't done it before. If I had had this book when I was a kid, it would have changed my life. It's going to change yours. I'm not joking. You can pre-order now. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, IndieBound, Target, Powell's, Walmart, wherever books are sold. It's out there. It's beautiful. It's huge. It's two volumes. Do yourself a favor. Do me a favor. Give this book a look. Telling you what, Decked is a game changer. Decked has completely changed how I load, organize my truck. All my stuff that I want is always in there, out of my way, and secure. It's perfect. If you own a pickup truck, that you use, you know, like a truck, the decked drawer system gives you weatherproof storage for all your gear. You can lock it up too. You keep your tools and gear organized, job site or out in the field. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. Go to decked.com slash meat eater and get yourself some free shipping. Hey, if you follow wildlife news at all, you're probably aware that the island of Maui has an incredible abundance of Axis deer, so much so that they're causing ecological damage. Well, Maui Nui venison is thinning out some of those Axis deer herds and delivering venison sticks and fresh cuts to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I Venison.com. Use promo code MEATEATER for 20% off your order.